when you're learning something new, you need to know how to do something. And we used to have these books, these how-to books, and they were published, and you could go down and buy one. Maybe it was how to fix your car, work on your computer. But now we can just go on YouTube and watch somebody do it. And it's so much easier when you hear from an expert, when they actually are with their hands on, they're doing exactly what you need to do, and you can just watch it, and it's fantastic. Something happened like this, uh, something similar to this happened with the disciples of our Lord. They they witnessed uh, John the Immerser, John the uh, Baptizer, who was going around baptizing people in the Jordan River. And they noticed that the disciples of John were praying and they wondered, how do we pray? Is there a how-to manual? Does, does anybody know? And so one of the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. What a great request. And I'm so glad that they did that because Jesus responded in a, of course, in a perfect way. And he said, pray like this. And he just prayed. And so I want to read this prayer. And it's very familiar. A lot of, a lot of people have this memorized and a lot of people use this uh, on, in a variety of ways. But in Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, pray like this. Verse 9 of chapter 6 says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So you can really divide this prayer in half, and then you can divide that again in a couple of different ways, but just think about it like this. Think about the first half is about God's glory, and then the second half is about man's good. And so when we, we dissect this prayer, when we, we say, if I'm looking for God and I want to learn how to pray, because if I learn how to pray, then I can begin a, a conversation with him and begin a, a relationship with him, and I get to know him. And if I seek him, the scripture says, I will find him. And one of the best ways to do that is to open up a dialogue and begin praying. Well, then the question should immediately come to your mind. Well, how do I do it? Well, Jesus says, here's how. And so he begins with, hallowed be thy name. And of course, we don't use the word hallowed. Maybe your version says your name needs to be kept holy. All right. And so we begin with the Father's name. When we begin a conversation, we address the Father, and we do it in a way that uh, tells us and tells him that we're praising him. What are some words that you use to praise God? Well, maybe, maybe magnificence. You know, we look outside, and we hear the lightning or hear the thunder and see the lightning, and we, we see the storm and the effect of the storm or we see the beauty that's uh, in creation. We, we say, that's just magnificent. We see a sunset. We see a sunrise. Magnificence. That's our God. Well, maybe you think almighty. All right, that's a good one. Almighty God. And you think about the power of the waves of the ocean. 
Ever been on the ocean out, out there in a ship and the waves are, are bigger than the ship? Goodness. God says, I've got this. You look in the universe, you look up in the sky at night, you see the moon, you see the stars. Almighty God. And so we begin our prayer. Jesus says, begin your prayer with, with this concept in mind, that God is almighty. He's magnificent. He deserves our praise. Praise him. See, there's something about that beginning where we recognize really how small we are compared to how magnificent God is. And then Jesus goes on. He says, hallowed be thy name, thy, <clears throat> thy kingdom come. Well, we look in the scripture and we say, what's the kingdom? Well, it, often it's uh, similar or exactly the same as the church that Jesus said he would build in Matthew 16. Sometimes those two words are used interchangeably, church and kingdom. Sometimes we think of the kingdom as something in the future where we'll spend eternity in heaven uh, with, with God and with his son, with the spirit. And so it just depends on the context, but it's just interesting to think about this kingdom. Jesus is looking in the future when he tells his disciples, here's how to pray. Look, look to the future and look at this kingdom that will be. Now, what's even more interesting is if we have obeyed the Lord, if we've put the Lord on in baptism, if we've, we've come to him in obedient faith, then we become part of the kingdom. We're already part of it. He's reigning now and he's, he's king and we're his subjects and we do what he asks us to do. And the question then becomes, have you been, uh, have you become part of the kingdom? Have you submitted your, your life to the king? <laughs> Has the kingdom come? <laughs> and that's a personal question. And you have to answer that question. And one day you'll stand before the king and he'll say one of two things. Well done, good and faithful servant, subject of mine, good and faithful. Enter in, I've got a place prepared for you. Or... The worst thing you can say is, I don't know who you are. Depart from me, you who practice wickedness. What? Those are our two options. And so Jesus is saying, when you pray, I want you to talk about your spiritual needs. And the first and foremost need that we all have is to eliminate the sin problem from our life. And the only way to do that is through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, then you become part of the kingdom. That's fantastic news. And the spiritual needs then become a priority. We start saying, increase our faith. Lord, help me to be stronger. Help me to be more Christ-like. Help me to be more of an example. Help me to reach those who are lost. Help me because I'm weak spiritually. Increase my faith. And Jesus says, when you pray, talk about your spiritual needs. Ask God to help you with your weaknesses that are spiritual in nature. Maybe you have a hard time with, with people. Maybe you're struggling with forgiveness. Maybe you're struggling with uh, a, a parent figure that was bad or evil. Jesus says, bring those concerns, those spiritual cares, bring them to me. Remember in Matthew 11, he said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. So when you pray, talk about your spiritual needs and, and bring them to God. And he goes on to say, <clears throat> thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done. Now that becomes one of the most difficult things that we do as people. Because I want to do what I want to do. <laughs> My will be done. And in reality, that's exactly what we end up doing, what we want to do. You want to go see your kids? You want to go to Bible class? You want to go to the store? You want to drive your car? <laughs> you end up doing what you want to do. And what we have to do when we bring our spiritual cares and we become part of the spiritual kingdom, when we become one of these subjects of the king, then we have to say, what is your will, Lord? What do you want me to do? You know, they interrupted the first preacher when he began preaching on that day of Pentecost, and they interrupted him. They said, what must we do to be saved? <laughs> yep, there's something you got to do, and it's part of God's will. They were asking, what is your will, God? And Peter could have said anything. He could have said, just accept Jesus in your heart. Just say a prayer, a quick prayer. Or he could have said anything. But what did he say? Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he said, repent. What? That's a religious word. What does that even mean? Well, it's a 180 degree turn. You're going away from God and he wants you to return to him. And he says, repent. So apparently we're capable of that. And so God requires that of us. And he says, repent. And I, I want each of you to be baptized, immersed, dunked under water. What? Why would I want to do that? For forgiveness of sins. Hmm. You see, that's God's will. When you pray, ask God what his will is. And you know where he answers you? We've just done that. We've just looked at his answer. You look to the scripture. You want your faith increased? Look to the scripture. Where does faith come from? Hearing God's word. And then James, the brother of our Lord, would say, not only hearing, but doing. Huh. There you go. Not my will, but thine be done. Remember, Jesus prayed exactly that same prayer there in Gethsemane the night that he, before he, or as he was being arrested, he said, take this cup for me, but not my will, but yours. What's the plan, God? I'll work the plan. Yes, you will. And so our spiritual needs need to be a priority in our prayer. We give God praise, and then we begin with the weaknesses that we have, and we ask God to help us with those weaknesses, our spiritual weaknesses and our spiritual needs. He goes on to say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Please make these two things to be the same. Make these two things equal. All the things that are happening here on earth, all the things that are happening in heaven, they need to be the same. They need to have the same objective. Those objectives need to fit into God's will. Not my will, but thine be done. So we have praise. So come up with some words that you can have in your mind when you begin speaking to God, when you begin this conversation with God. Come up with some words that you can praise him for his excellence, for his magnificence, for his power, his almighty power. And then talk to him about your spiritual needs. It's not about you. It's about him. Mm. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, you don't matter. Oh, you matter. God wants to hear from you, and he says, 
I want to hear about your physical needs. We live on this planet, we live on this earth, and we have certain needs. Jesus says, part of this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. All right, that's physical. There's nothing that smells better, I don't believe, than baked bread. (laughs) Hot, fresh baked bread. In fact, if you're trying to sell your home, that's a trick that the real estate agents will tell you. Bake some bread. When they come over, it smells like home. It doesn't smell like an old stale house. It smells like home. Yes, give us this day our daily bread. It's a constant need. And do you suppose God knows that we need bread? And of course, he's not just talking about bread, but he's talking about food. Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, he'd say, man doesn't live on bread alone. No, we certainly don't. But Jesus is going to say even something more spiritual. He's going to say, but man lives by the word of God on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's that's what's important. But Jesus says, I know you need physical needs. God says, I know what you need. Our Father knows what we need. We need water. We need food. We need clothing. We need shelter. Hmm. Do you suppose God knows that? He does. But God says, I want to hear it from you. I want to hear what you think you need physically. Now, remember, it needs to correspond with God's will. Remember, we've already mentioned that. We've already started with our spiritual needs and not my will, but God's will be done. God says, I know I created you. I I know you have physical needs. So ask me for what you need. Do you need food? Ask me. Do you need shelter? Ask me. Clothing? Ask me. What do you need? And does it correspond with God's will? And so we have these four things already. And so your prayer begins to to blossom. It begins to have some shape. It begins to have some substance. When we stop and think about the Almighty God and we start to think about why he deserves our praise, when we stop and think about our spiritual needs and the weaknesses that we have and we, we begin to list those and we begin to Ask God for help on those. And we say, it's not about me, it's about you. What is your will in these matters? And then we ask him for physical needs. And Jesus says, oh, but there's more. There's more in a prayer than just that. There's more to that because my entire system is based on what is next in our prayer life. Verse 12 says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We live in a world where debt is common. Our government has placed our nation in some $22 trillion worth of debt. Thanks a lot for that. Debt is a part of our life. Do you have a credit card? (laughs) Do you have a mortgage? Do you have rent coming due? Do you have utilities? Yeah. Oh, you got your phone bill. <laughs> Can't forget that. And those are all physical. And we understand that we have to pay those debts. Most of us understand that. But Jesus says, I want you to think spiritually just for a sec. 
It's like paying those debts. But I want you to remember the spiritual needs, the spiritual debts that you have. Those spiritual debts, there's a word for that, sin. Sin separates us. Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2 says, Is God's arm so short that he cannot save? Is his ear so dull he can't hear? No. His arm isn't short, his ear isn't dull. What's the problem? Verse 2 says, your sin is the problem. Your sin has separated you from God. Your sin has caused God to stop listening to you. That's the problem. You need forgiveness. And we pray for that to our Father because he said, I have a plan in place that will provide forgiveness. What's that plan again? Oh, that's right. God's will is his Son takes the place of, for our sin, the debt that we owe, that we can't pay, he says, I'll pay the debt. God demands death. Jesus says, I'll die. Not just falling asleep and dying in your sleep death. It was excruciating, bleeding, painful death. And Jesus says, that's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to forgive you to that degree. But there's a condition there's a condition to that. He says, as also we have forgiven our debtors. Please forgive me, Lord, just the same way as I forgive others. Are we forgiving people? We have a saying, forgive and forget. Can you forget? I can't forget. And I'll hold a grudge. I'll, I can win a, a medal for holding a grudge. <laughs> Can't you? Well, we can hold grudges for a long time. We can be silent, give them the silent treatment. We can be rude. Yeah. But remember, we're asking God to forgive us, just like we forgive others. Uh-oh. That could be trouble. Mm -hmm. Yep, that could be serious trouble. And so, as part of our prayer, Maybe in the first part where we are looking for help with our spiritual needs, maybe we need help in forgiving others. Ask God. Ask God to help you with that. It's not going to be the easiest thing you've ever done. It may be the most difficult thing you've ever done. But you got to do it. You got to try. You got to start. And you have to ask God to forgive you as you forgive others. And then finally, in this prayer, this model prayer, Jesus says, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, there is a request for guidance. <clears throat> we have Google Maps on our phones. We can go anywhere. We can find anything now. We used to have to drive around and look for landmarks. We used to actually know, have to know which direction we were driving. Go east, mile and a half, where that big oak tree is. Take a left. Go east. What's east? That's the problem these days. We're, we're not taught about directions anymore. We're just handed a phone and away we go. But spiritually, God says, that's not how it works. I've got the information you need. I have the guidance. I'm 
so much better than Google Maps. I'm, I've got it. And you need to look to me for guidance. If we look to God for guidance, he says, I'll show you the way. Jesus would make this claim, I am the way. You want to get to the Father? You come through me. There it is. Pretty simple, but coming through with it or following through with that, that's the difficult part. I have to follow you? Where did you go again? Oh, that's right, to the cross. You mean this is going to be painful? Could be. You know, the Bible tells us if we're Christians, we're going to be persecuted. You know what persecuted means? Hmm. Ask the Apostle Paul. Ask the Apostle John. Ask any of the apostles. Did any of them suffer? Jesus says, yep. Yeah. Take up your cross daily. Follow me. Ouch. I don't like the sound of that. Remember, we have to go back in the prayer, earlier in the prayer. Not my will, but thine. God's will, that's what we're after. That's what pleases him. Ah. Lead us not into temptation. We need God's guidance. Because as people, we will be tempted. Satan has a track record that's pretty impressive. He knows people. He knows generally what's going to work for an 18-year-old young man. He knows generally what's going to happen or what's going to work for an 18-year-old young woman. You know, it's different for a 60-year-old man and a 60-year-old woman. It's different, but he knows that too. He's been doing this for years. He's been tempting for years. Now, he doesn't know everything. Often we give him way too much credit, but sometimes we don't give him enough credit. It's pretty impressive what he knows about human nature. He's been tempting us for years. And so we ask God, lead us not into temptation. Don't, don't let me go there. Why? Because earlier in our prayer, we're, we're struggling with our spiritual needs and we need some help. We need some assistance. And we're not capable. We're not able. James, the brother of our Lord, would say, you don't have because... You don't ask. Mm. I need to ask more and more. I need to ask as often as I can. The scripture says, pray without ceasing. Yep, that's how it should be. We should just pray and ask God and continue to ask him and continue to grow this relationship. And he says, now this is the model prayer. This is how you talk to me. Give me praise. Find out what my will is and do my will. Ask for spiritual your spiritual needs. Find out what your physical needs are. Ask God for those spiritual needs and then ask him for spiritual guidance. You see, Jesus didn't leave us to our own devices. He didn't say, well, you can figure it out. I mean, pray any old way you want. No, it's a, it's a process that we learn. And Jesus says, here's kind of the outline. Here's, here's the basic bones of it. And then what we can do if that's not enough, we can go back in the scripture and we can look for uh, specific examples. There's examples in the Old Testament. There's examples in the New Testament, people praying. One of the most beautiful prayers is a woman by the name of Hannah didn't have any children for years. It says year after year, she prayed to God, please let me have a child. And then she even 
gave an ultimatum. She said to God, if you, if you give me a child, I will lend him back to you. What? <laughs> well, if you don't know the story, Hannah ends up having a child. His name was Samuel. And Samuel is a very interesting character, the last judge of the nation of Israel before the king David is anointed. Guess who gets to anoint David? Well, that's right, Samuel. Samuel is an important individual in the scripture. The last of the judges, Hannah prays for her child way before the child is born, before the child's conceived. She's praying for her child. Passionate prayer, powerful prayer, beautiful prayer. <laughs> and she says, this person is going to be important. Oh, yeah, she had some physical needs. She had some spiritual needs. She understood who God was. You know what she called God? She called God the rock of her salvation. What? <laughs> that sounds pretty powerful. Yeah. We can call God that. We can call him the rock of our salvation. And you can find phrases like that in the scripture. You can go back to examples and you can look at those and say, I'm going to put that in my prayer life. I'm going to talk to God like that. That's a great idea. You see, we can look to scripture and we can look to examples. We can ask Jesus himself, how do I pray? There's something beautiful about prayer and it brings us closer to God. And when we understand that God says, I will let you find me if you look for me. Yeah. We have to understand that life with God is not immunity from difficulties. But life with God is peace within difficulties. C.S. Lewis said that years ago, back in the 40s. And we have to put that into practice. We have to say, you know what? I may not be immune to difficulties. Life may turn itself upside down, and it may be completely backwards, and it, it may be completely mysterious, and I don't know what's going on. We're not immune from difficulty but we're given peace within difficulty when we have a relationship with God. When we seek God, God says, you'll find me. And God says, I want a relationship with you. And it begins with prayer. When we get to this point in our life and we say, I'm needy, I need help, God says, I'm right there. So talk to him. Praise him. Tell him about your spiritual shortcomings, your spiritual faults. Ask him to relieve them. And remember, it's his will, not yours. Oh, he's going to think about your physical needs. He's going to take care of some of your physical needs. He's going to be there for you. He wants to guide you. In fact, Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, go your own way. Isn't that a song? <laughs> go your own way? Mm -hmm. No, don't go your own way. You'll get lost for sure. Jesus says, follow me. 
we have to remember also that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I pray to God that you are one of those. Diligently seek God and he will reward you.